mệt Good morning. Good morning, saints of God, and a warm welcome to everyone. For this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. It's time now to begin our 11 o'clock morning service. This being the third Sunday, we have our angelic choir along with our fantastic musicians that's going to be blessing us with a joyful noise unto the Lord. And for those who may be watching through our live stream audience, we greet you in the same manner and ask if you will to contact your family, friends, neighbors, and loved ones. Invite them also to join us. Also let them know that they also will have the opportunity to be blessed through their giving later on in our service as well. So now let us pray. God, all glory and honor, adoration and praise belong to you. We ask the Heavenly Father to prepare us through the active presence of your Holy Spirit to come before you rightly, enlighten our understanding, purify our every desire, quicken our wills, and strengthen every right purpose in our heart. Move in this house of God, anoint us afresh for kingdom service. Let there be no hindrance to our worship, no distraction in our praise, no hesitation in our hallelujah. Direct this hour to Heavenly Father worship through the magnifying of your name and the enduring good of us, us, your children, and your servant. It is through Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Come on, stand to your feet as we give him glory this morning. Song says, oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Oh! 
song says, I love you, Jesus. I worship and adore you. Just want to tell you, Lord, I love you more than anything. Come on, help me sing it. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I worship and adore. I worship and adore. Just want to tell you. Just want to tell you. Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. Yes, more than anything. Say it again. I love you, Jesus. I love you. God, creator of this beautiful universe. We come 
as humble as we know how to say thank you for another day's journey. Thank you for watching over us whilst we slept and slumber last night. Touched us with a finger of love to let us see another day and have access to our limb. Father, thank you for the many blessings. Throw your loving arms, protection around us, keep us in your care. Crown our heads with knowledge, a better understanding how to seek and serve thee and thee alone. Forgive us for all our sins. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Oh, Father God, thank you for this day. We ask blessings upon every church that's opened in your name. Bless the case, family, individual, collectively. Father, bless our pastor, pastor emeritus, the entire congregation. Bind us so close together. One cannot fall for the other, Father. Give us love that runs from heart to heart. Walk with us through trying times. You've been mighty good to us. You've brought us from a mighty long way. We give you the honor. We give you the praise. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. church family. This time we read the church covenant. Having been led as we believe by the Spirit of God to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. We do now in the presence of God angels and disassembly most solemnly and joyfully enter into covenant with one another as one body in Christ. To promote its prosperity and spirituality, to sustain its worship, ordinances, discipline and doctrines we also engage to maintain family and secret devotion to religiously educate our children to seek the salvation of our kindred and acquaintances To avoid all tattling, backbiting, and excessive anger. We further engage to watch over one another in brotherly love. slow to take offense, but always ready for reconciliation, and mindful of the rules of our Savior to secure it without delay. Altogether, we moreover engage that when we remove from this place, we will 
as soon as possible, uniting with some other church where we can carry out the spirit of this covenant and the principles of God's word. Good morning, Kate. We invite you now to help us with our congregational hymn, Oh, How I Love Jesus.
Don't forget to drop by the Buckley family room to have your yearbook photo taken today through the end of December. The photographer will be available from 7.30 to 8 a.m. and 9.45 a.m. to 11. The Futures Ministry is now collecting graduation forms for high school seniors and college and postgrads. High school seniors, please note that your forms are due on December the 1st and college and postgrads, your forms will be due by March the 1st. You can pick up a form from Ms. Toya Brown or Pam Adams, or you can go to the K-Chapel app. And please be sure to check your bulletins and the bulletin boards for additional announcements and upcoming community events, and to share your ministry news with the K-Chapel family. Just send an email to kchapelannouncements at yahoo.com, or you can go to the Submit Info tab on the K-Chapel app, but be sure to get your announcements in by noon on Tuesday of each week. Good morning. We ask that you keep all those announcements in mind. Miss Allen, Monica Allen, are you here? I understand that there is a group here. We'd like to welcome Miss Monica Allen and the 2020 Sweetheart Ball participants of the Jackson, Mississippi chapter of Jack and Jill. Are you here? If you are, stand. We're going to ask you to stand. Amen, amen. We'd like to thank each of you for taking this time out of your schedule to come worship with us this morning. And we ask that if your schedule allow, please come again. Thank you. Amen. Now we'll have further emphasis by Sister Toya Brown. Are you here? Amen. morning, K Chapel Church. I'm here for the um, on behalf of the Futures Ministry. We are now accepting the high school graduate forms for those seniors that will be graduating in May. And the reason why we're getting these forms early, if you will be participating in Baccalaureate Sunday in May of 2020, we're trying to capture this information now so you can see me after um, service or any time between this Sunday and next Sunday so I can get a form to you. And it's also available on the app if you don't see me. Thank you. Good morning. It is time now for our benevolent offerings. And for those of you that are worshiping us with us via way of live screen, there should be a number at the bottom of your TV set that you may also participate in the giving to the benevolent. And let us keep in mind, as a songwriter says, that you may go to bed on top of the world, and wake up tomorrow and the world is on top of you.
one more time, knowing that it could have been the other way. It didn't have to be that God allowed us to come in here and worship together today, but since we are here, let us make the best out of it. Let us show our joyfulness as to being in the service. Let us stand for a word of prayer. Let's bow our heads. For the preservation of your church, O oh God, for the ordering of your worship, for the due administration of your word and ordinance, for the maintenance of Christian fellowship and discipleship, for the edification of believers, and for the conversion of the world, we offer unto you these gifts. Accept them. We beseech you, beseech you, in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We have this morning some that are ready for the right hand of fellowship. Willie Mae Ellis and Dava Griffin, if you are here, will you please come down front? And as she comes, we're going to ask Reverend Harris if he will come and recognize the visitors as we offer the right hand of fellowship. We've come to that very special moment. And we're going to ask all of our visitors to please stand. Let's ask all our visitors to please stand. Amen. Amen. We're so happy that you joined with us this morning in worship service. And on behalf of Pastor Reginald Buckley and the entire Kate Chapel congregation, we extend to you a very warm and hearty uh, welcome. If you're without a church home and are seeking a closer relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord, you're in the right place at the right time. All you need to do is simply come forward with the invitation extended at the end of the service. And we can take care of your situation right now in this place. After the right hand of fellowship, we will demonstrate hospitality and love that can only be experienced here at Cade Chapel with fellowship.
Let the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. We give God glory and honor for this is the day that the Lord has made. We are rejoicing and we're glad about it. Amen. 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 I certainly ask that you keep us and our family in your prayers. Lucretia, uh, we've, we've been with an uncle, a dear uncle, uh, who is on life support at this moment. Uh, and so we ask that you keep Lucretia in, her pr- in your prayers. This is a dear, dear uncle, um, uh, one who in many ways um, uh, was a father figure, is a father figure to her. And so that can be uh, really, really um, important at this time. So p- keep the first lady in your prayers. Amen. 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 I understand we have Jack and Jill with us on this morning. Amen. So good to see you all this morning. You all have already been recognized, but I certainly want to recognize you and thank you for worshiping with us right here at K Chapel. I know you could have gone anywhere, so our hearts are glad uh, that you chose this place for your place of worship on this Lord's Day. Amen. Did y'all give them a great big K Chapel welcome already? Amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I also see my good friend uh, Derek Johnson in the audience this morning. This is the uh, nat- our national president of the NAACP. Amen. Amen. Now listen, you know, amen. That's right. Listen, I think I, I'm, I'm going to do it again. We're going to do it differently because there's a scripture, Pastor Bible says uh, a prophet uh, is without honor in his own, his own country. Um, and, and sometimes that can happen when folk, you know, come back home and, and you know, oh, that's, that's Reggie. Oh, that's Derek. Yeah. But, but this is the national president, y'all. Amen. Of the NAACP. Let's honor him. Come on, y'all. Let's honor him. Honor his work. Honor what he does for us in making us proud. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Derek, come on and greet the people. Will you give us a couple of words? Amen. I know that there's a lot of work going on, a lot of work that you're doing and, and you've committed yourself to and your life's work to. Uh, and anything that we need to know here in Mississippi and how we need to stay engaged in the movement and in the process. Amen. God bless you, Derek. Thank you, Pastor Buckley, who's also a friend of mine from Tougaloo. It is a wonderful thing to build and be a part of a community like K Chapel. And that's what we've experienced as alumni of Tougaloo, but most importantly, recognizing the political landscape that we find ourselves in today. It is one that's not that different than we've experienced in the past. And just like we've come through those experiences in the past, we will get through this as well. But prayer alone won't bring us through. It requires work. And I was pleased to see the returns last night in Louisiana. I was pleased not because of the outcome alone, but to recognize when black folks stand up together and they turn out, we can rejoice in the victory. And what happened last night with an increase of black voter turnout, they took that governor across the finish line. But that governor now owe a debt to that black community. You can't take the black vote for granted and expect the black vote to be there like we have seen over and over in Mississippi. And so for this community, for African Americans in this state, for black folks across the country, we must not only pray, we must work, but we also must hold people accountable for the future we would like to see for our children. Because it is our charge to speak for those who cannot speak for themselves. Thank you all very much.
We thank you for your work, and we shall continue, amen, in Mississippi to pray for this family, to pray for your work, that God will continue to order and guide your footsteps. Amen. God bless you, God. Good morning, Gay Chapel. almost tempted to start singing but listen at this time each Sunday you get information on those people that are in need of your prayers your calls any type of support those that you can minister to in the upcoming weeks we ask that you continue to stay in prayer for all of our bereaved families we understand that brother Robert Brown Brenda Brown and Willem Willie McCluskey lost their brother, Mr. Jerry Brown, and I understand that funeral was on yesterday. Brother Sammy Henderson lost his brother, Mr. Clarence Henderson. That funeral was also held on yesterday. We have in the hospital, Brother James Johnson, and he's in the ICU up at the Baptist Hospital, and listen, they're asking for very limited uh, visitation. We also have Sister Thelma Long, and Brother Kenny Williams in the hospital. We have recovering at home, Mr. Levi McBride, Mr. A.J. Mack, Coach Walter Griffin, Brother Frank Blunson, Sister Dorothy Aldrich, Mother Triplett, Sister Vera Collins, Sister Aletha Lewis, Reverend Michael Jones, Brother Bobby Smith, one of our ushers, and five-month-old Madison Sims. As I always say, pray when you can, Visit where you can, and each day thank God that you can. Amen. Good morning. We are now ready to continue to worship the Lord through our giving. We give because it is our obedience to the word of God that we give. We also give because we are giving thanks for the things that the Lord God has supplied us with. And then we give because we want to see God's kingdom grow, not just here at Cade, but Cade's offerings that will do things for those in the community as well. Now, as our tithers come, hear the word of the Lord. The generous will themselves be blessed for they shall share their food with the poor. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Amen? Amen.
can we bless him a minute? He opened the door. Come on, sing. That I might see. Keep blessing me. Come on, sing, y'all.
your doing. It ain't my doing. But it's God's doing. Hallelujah. One more time. Just he gave me one more time. He allowed us to come together. One more time. Sing it with us. One more. Some of us act like tomorrow is guaranteed. I stopped by to tell you, you don't know how much time you have. But since I have this time, all I really need is two or three of y'all to go along with me. Since since I have this time, I'm, I'm not going to bank on next Sunday to give him praise. I'm going to go ahead and give it to him now. I'm going to go ahead and thank him now. I'm going to go ahead and glorify him now. Because he gave me this day, this this day, this time, this moment, this hour, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I don't know how many more Sundays we'll get to gather here at 1000 West Ridgeway Street, but since we have this time, one more, one more time, one more, one more time. Oh! 
chapter 6 Romans chapter 6 I'm going to read the last verse recorded in that chapter I will ask that in your study at home this week that you will read this chapter in its entirety Romans chapter 6 I want to read verse number 23. There, these words are recorded. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. For the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. For just a few moments, I want to talk with you about the dangers of sin. The dangers of sin. I knew I wasn't going to get many amens on that. The dangers of sin. The reason I knew I wasn't going to get many amens was because whenever you start talking about sin, folk get nervous. And if you talk about sin too long, eventually you're going to offend somebody. Talk about it too long and too often, get too specific. And before long, you will have made some enemies. Some of y'all look at me right now wondering which way I'm going with this. But you will make some enemies. We wrestle with the idea, the concept, and the reality of sin. But I stop by to remind you that there are some things that you ought to just leave alone. There, there are some things that you have no business messing with. You, you, you really don't have any business fooling around with a lion. Uh, 
I don't care if he is tamed. He, 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 he might have a flashback. Wish I had a witness here. You, 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 don't, you don't have any business really messing around with any venomous creatures of any kind. You, you might accidentally get bitten. When you were a child, you perhaps saw various substances underneath the cabinet, or, and it would have that skull and crossbones on it, indicating that the contents were poisonous. You should leave it alone because consumption of that solution or that material would be deadly for you. And sin is something you should not play with. It's deadly. It's dangerous. And you should leave it alone. The writer of our text says, the wages of sin is death. The, way, the payout. The, the, the outcome. What when, when, when sin gets to its last draw, the end result is death. And even if it's not a physical death, sin has a way of destroying you. Sin can destroy your reputation. Sin can destroy your potential. Sin can destroy your dreams, your hopes, your aspirations. Sin can get in between you and what you could have been. So the writer says, leave it alone. For the wages of it is death. And the church, I believe, should spend a little more time talking about the dangers of sin. Somehow we seem to talk about everything else and we miss the time to talk about that which is of ultimate importance and that is our relationship with sin and how we overcome it through our relationship with the Savior. We talk about faith moving mountains. We talk about miracles and breakthroughs. We talk about prayer and the power of prayer. But eventually we have to deal with the problem of sin. The problem of sin. For I contend that people still need to know the wages of sin is death. People still need to know that hell is still hot. People still need to know that the devil is still real. People still need to know that sin is a real disease of the soul that corrupts and corrodes the character of the Christian. And like any disease, sin needs to be properly treated. 
for left untreated sin distorts, deforms, and destroys the human soul. Left untreated sin infects and affects the human condition. Left untreated sin drags the soul down from its potential greatness until it grovels in the dust of unreached possibilities. Which demands that as Christians, we are aware of sin and its potential, its power, and its presence in our lives. So what is sin? One writer, one writer defines sin as thusly. Sin, he says, is any lack of conformity to the moral character of God or the law of God. Listen to that again. Sin is any lack of conformity to the moral character of God or the law of God. Anytime in any way we don't, watch this, conform to God's character or conform to his word, we sin. Sin. I say it is a condition, a disease of the human soul that must be treated. Just like you treat high blood pressure. You must treat sin. If you ignore high blood pressure too long, you'll have a heart attack. And if you untreat sin too long, it will have its consequences upon your soul, your life, your reputation, your character, your heart, your spirit, and who you say you are as a Christian. So a few dangers of sin, and I'll let you go. Number one, the first danger we must be aware of when it comes to sin is the danger is that sin weakens the witness. Sin weakens your witness as a Christian. In other words, you damage your credibility as a Christian when you participate in sin. You damage the reputation of the faith and that of the church when you practice and participate in sin. You cause skepticism and cynicism and doubt because people are listening not only to what you say, but they are watching how you live. And you can say all you want of who you are and, and what you believe. But people are watching to see if your video matches your audio. Do you live what you talk about? You can talk about the Lord picked you up, turned you around. All you want, but if your behavior does not reflect the reality of a turned around life, if your the behavior does not reflect the reality of a new life, then your testimony is suspect and your witness is weakened. If people cannot see the change in your life, your witness is questionable. If you are a new creature in Christ, that means you ought to live like it. There ought to be some visible evidence of your conversion. There ought to be some measurable outcome that one can point to and identify it as since you've been saved. 
Paul writes about it this way in verse number four of the same chapter. And I want you to read this in this chapter in its entirety. But in verse number four, he says, Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. As we have been raised up, we should now walk in a new life. What does that mean? That means, that means, that means that, that you need, all of us need, I need and you need a since I've been saved testimony. You need a since I've been saved testimony. Since I've been saved, I don't talk like that. Since I've been saved, I, I, you, you know, you, you, you ought to be glad I'm saved now because it was a time when, amen, but since I've been saved. I don't respond like that anymore. Since I've been saved, I, I don't fly off at the handle. Since I've been saved, I don't operate in my anger. Since I've been saved, I don't do the things that I used to do. Since I've been saved, I walk now in the newness of life. Because if you are still doing now the same things that you did before you got saved, you discredit the power of Christ to transform and actually make you a new creature. Salvation is not just about saving you from your sins, but it is about saving you from the power of sin. Listen to what I said. Salvation is not just saving you from your sins. It's saving you from the power of sin. From the power of sin. Number two brings me to my second danger, second danger of sin Sin, if you are not careful, if you don't treat sin correctly in your life, sin will harden the heart and overcome the will. Sin, left untreated, will harden your heart and eventually overcome your will. See, some of you think because you're a Christian, you cannot be controlled by sin, and that's not true. And that's why Paul writes in this text, in verse number 12, he says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Paul acknowledges that even as Christians, you can be controlled by sin if you let it stay there. If you let sin stay in place and, and you let sin get comfortable in your life and, and you decide, well, this, this, this little area of my life is just going to be that and, and, and I... I'll be 90% good, that 10% tithe will be my sin, and I just have 10% sin. If you let sin stay in place, it will eventually, watch this, harden your heart and overcome your will until it makes you obey it. That's why Paul later tells us, He's, he testifies to this very fact. He says, listen, there were, there's good that I want to do that I don't do. And there's evil that I know I should not be doing and that I find myself doing. He says, the reason, it, the reason I do it is because sin dwells within me. That's in verse number 17 of chapter 7. He says, now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. The sin that dwells in me, he says, 
is making me do stuff I know I have no business doing. The sin that dwells in me is pulling me to say things I know I have no business saying. The sin in me is pushing me to go places I have no business going. The sin in me is causing me to have relationships with people I know I have no business having relationships with. The sin in me is drawing me to do crooked business deals. The sin in me is making me cheat on my tests. The sin in me is making me lie on my timesheet. The sin in me is making me watch pornography. The sin in me is making me sneak around and sleep around. The sin in me is making me lie on my taxes. The sin in me is making me steal supplies from the office. The sin in me is making me. I, the sin in me. Oh, I went down your row at some point. The sin in me is making me do things that I know are wrong. And the only reason I'm doing it is because I've allowed sin to dwell there. I didn't treat it as the disease that it is. Number three, sin, sin, the dangers of sin. Number three, third danger is that sin mixes up the mind. Sin mixes up the mind. Dangerous thing about sin is that over the long haul, sin will eventually act as an anesthetic. An anesthetic deadens the senses. An anesthetic, watch this, when you get an anesthetic, you, you, you can, you can, they can do anything on you and you won't feel it. Stuff that normally would hurt you won't hurt you because you've been anesthetized. Do I have a witness here? And sin acts as an anesthetic. It anesthetizes you and it deadens and dulls the spiritual sensitivity of the Christian heart. It causes you, watch this, it causes the mind to suddenly, watch this, justify stuff that's wrong. And watch this, and no longer, things that are wrong no longer cause alarm bells to go off. The spiritual senses have been dulled. 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 And things that you once knew were absolutely wrong. You now have tolerance for. Things you once knew you could not stand for. You suddenly decide, well... It's 2019. Things you once knew and were absolutely convinced had no place in your life. Suddenly, I might try it. Because sin deadens and dulls the spiritual sensitivities of the Christian. Paul talks about how this happens in Romans 1, Romans chapter 1, verse 21. He begins, he says, but that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools 
and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Verse 28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. I told you sin mixes up the mind. God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. And watch this, and all of this happened because, watch this, you didn't deal with sin when you had a chance. And now sin has allowed, watch this room, for all of this other stuff. And, and, so, and so some children think it's all right to talk in the kind of way to their parents. Y'all ain't talking to me in here. So, so, some, some children grow up thinking their parents are their friends and, and they, they, they got just as much right to their, to their opinions and, and they... they and you know this this my room you mean in my house amen there, there are all of these things all of these things that sin will eventually cause you watch this to suddenly be okay with and watch this and before long you will start fighting for your right to sin. Y'all ain't talking to me in here. Sin will change you to the point that you make excuses for sin and eventually take you to the place where you no longer look at it as sin and be convinced that there's nothing wrong with sin. That's why Paul said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying there's still some things that are right and there's still some things that are wrong. And as a Christian, you don't need to be confused about the two. There's still things that are right. There's still things that are wrong. And there's no gray area we got to be convinced of that we got to be sure of that and we have to be able to stand firm on that calling sin what it is where it is that's what the church must do I don't believe you're praying with me I say that's what the church must do because the church more than any other institution has been given that authority. That is the role of the church, to be the moral compass, to say what God's word says, to, to be the mouthpiece and the megaphone for the word of God so that we think correctly about what is sin, what is wrong, what is holy, what is unholy, what is godly, what is ungodly. Number four, Sin corrupts and corrodes the character. Sin corrupts and corrodes the character. Sin is, sin is somewhat like faith in that 
a little bit goes a long way. You remember when Jesus said, uh, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be thou removed from this place, and it will be cast into the midst of the sea. Sin is that same way. You don't have to have much for it to do a big thing. In fact, that's why Paul says, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. You don't need a lot in order to make a big impact. And so because, because sin, sin can start out small and, and, and have such a significant impact, we must understand that, that when sin is in our lives, it corrupts and corrodes the character of the Christian. Sin, what, let me say it like this. Sin doesn't stay boxed in a nice little area. Sin spreads to other parts of your life. And suddenly, areas of your life where you had no problem, suddenly, because you didn't deal with the sin where it was, now you have issues over here. Because sin spreads, it corrupts and it corrodes the character of the Christian. It gets involved and invested in the rest of your life. And suddenly you begin to have moral and ethical crises that you never had before. Because sin corrupts and contaminates and corrodes the Christian's life. Last thing and I'm through. Sin consumes the conscience. Sin consumes the conscience. Paul writes about this in verse number 19. He says, he says, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity, unto, unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness. Paul says, listen, when you were, when you were in the world, you, you, you were showing sure up in the world. When, 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 when you were a sinner, you, you, were, you were good. Amen. You, 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 yeah, you, you may have been the poster child for, y'all ain't talking to me in here. So, 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 I mean, we, we, in other words, he says, your members were consumed by, your members were yielded to, to serve unrighteousness and ungodliness and an unholiness. It consumed you, you thought about, you, you knew when the next party was, and, and you had it on your schedule, you, you had it planned, and you knew what time it was, well, you didn't have to know what time it was going to kick off, because the party didn't start for some of y'all until you got there. You were the party. Everybody was waiting on you to get there, and, and when you left, the party ended. That's how, that's how consumed some of us were. Y'all ain't talking to me in here. That's how consumed some of us were in our sin and in our world. It consumed us. So, some of us, some of us went to work and put change of clothes in our trunk because we didn't even want to waste time coming home. Y'all ain't talking to me in here. You, you, you changed on the way because it consumed you. You thought about what you were gonna do and who you were gonna do it with and how it was going. You, it consumed you. And so. What Paul says is in the same way that you were consumed, it consumed your conscience. Now that you are saved, let your members be consumed by righteousness. Let your members be consumed by holiness. Let your members be consumed by godliness. I'm through. I've told you five things that sin and the dangers of sin are for the Christian. Things that sin does... Sin will do if you are not careful and if you don't deal with it. 
carefully. But of all the things that sin can do to the Christian, I'm glad that there's one thing that sin can never do. Here it is, last point. Sin, out of everything that sin can do, sin cannot condemn a Christian. Now, 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 uh, I know you hadn't shouted much in this sermon, but that really was a place to shout. Sin cannot condemn a Christian. That, I, sin, sin, I, I, I'm, I'm saying that, that, that when a Christian sins, and you will, we will sin. The good news is that our sins don't condemn us to eternal life. For the, for the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Which means that because I'm in Christ, even when I mess up, even when I miss the mark, that my sins don't condemn me to eternal life. That's why this text is so important. Romans 6 and 23, he says, uh, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. That yet, yes, the outcome and the payout for sin is death, but those who are in Christ, we have been given eternal life. You missed your shout because what that means is that even when I sin, I don't die because of my sin. I don't die in my sin, for I have been given life eternal. Uh, 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 we sing that song all the time, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus uh, the, the choir at the 8 o'clock sang a song that said the blood still works and I need you to understand this morning that, 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 that we rejoice this morning because there was the blood of a sacrificial lamb that was slain over 2,000 years ago. But before that, that lamb was slain, uh, the priest would kill rams and lambs and goats and everything year after year in order to absolve the sins of the nation of Israel. But when that lamb was slain, when that lamb was slain on Calvary's cross, it said, listen, you don't need to kill a another ram you don't need to kill another goat because that blood will wash away the sins of yesterday today and forevermore you missed your shout that means that when I sin now the blood covers me when I sin yesterday the blood covers me when I sin tomorrow the blood covers me what can wash away my sin nothing but the blood of Jesus that's our faith y'all that's, that's, that's the satisfaction of being saved. That once I'm saved, nothing can take my salvation. That, that's the assurance that I have in being saved. That, that once I'm saved, Jesus said, nothing shall be able to pluck you out of my Father's hand. Once I'm saved, the gift of God is eternal life. And the thing about God, God don't take back his gifts. The gift of God, once given, he doesn't come and take it, snatch it back from you. It's given. And Paul asked the question, this is what you got to study. Paul asked the question, shall we continue to sin? That grace may abound. He said, watch this. He said, listen, 
Don't abuse God's grace. Just because your salvation is secure, he said you don't have a license to go out there and keep on sinning. To no, recognize that sin ultimately, if you keep doing that, it will have its course in your life. We don't sin because we can and get away with it. We sin because we are fallen humans. We sin because we are imperfect creatures. But thanks be to God. That he does not throw us away. Thanks be to God that he does not push us aside. The word is that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the word, y'all. That's the truth. That's how we live as children of God. We're going to mess up along the way. The point is that we get up and we try again. We ask God to give us strength to get better. Not to become complacent in this place and become satisfied and think that we can't win watch this there's no need of you convincing yourself that you do what you do because it's just in your blood I'm going to say that again stop convincing yourself that you do what you do because it's just in your blood well you know my daddy did that in my and his daddy did that. And I even had a few uncles that did it. Just in my blood. Well, what about the blood of Jesus? Are you telling me that your blood is more powerful than his? My God. I pray, I pray that we would be serious in our discipleship, be honest with ourselves, and live up to the high and holy calling, lifting up the banner of Christ in our ways, in our words, our works, and in our witness that Jesus Christ is Lord. It will never lose its power. If you're here this morning and you don't know this Jesus, this Christ of whom I preach, I want to invite you to get to know him this morning as your Lord and your Savior. If you haven't given your life to Christ and you've not said yes to God as his child, I want to invite you to say yes to the Lord and say, Lord, I want a relationship with you. I, I'm not even interested in the religion thing, Lord, but I want to be your child and I want you to be my God. If you're here this morning, the doors of the church are open. If you're here this morning, the doors of the church are open. If, if you've given your life to Christ, but you don't have a church home, I invite you to come. I invite you to come. From day to day, 
You need a church home. You come. You need to rededicate your life to Christ. You've, you've been out in the world for a while. You've done your own thing, but you need to come back home. You, you come. You come. Doctor, hold my mule while I shout up in here. 
I tell you, I am so grateful to my God for his magnificently amazing and infinite love that he bestowed on me and allowed the anointed hands of my surgeon to take that cancer out of my breast. And I want to tell you that if you are going through something, some stuff in your life right now, hold on, be strong, don't give up, keep the faith. It's only a test. And I want to tell you that there is nothing that can cross our path that Christ has not already overcome. He overcame the world. So just hold on and be strong. I want to thank my pastor and these ministers, my children, my family, my church family, and my friends for your love and encouragement. But most of all, thank you for the prayers. The prayers. Thank you for hooking me up with the power. Because Jesus has the power. And you have to hook into the power. So if that stuff is going on in your life, hook up with the power. He'll work it out for you. Romans 12, 12 says, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Stay prayed up. Amen, amen. Others are coming for prayer. One for son. And another for nieces daughters and a nephew. I'm going to ask Reverend Don if he would administer this prayer. Let us pray. Almost heavenly gracious Father, Lord God, we come to you right now as humbly we know how. Lord, you said in your word to make known to you through prayer and supplication and through thanksgiving our request. We have right now before us the Heavenly Father before your throne of grace, your children in need of prayer. Now, dear Heavenly Father, we don't know personally what their needs are. But, Lord, we know that you are a God that knows all things and that can do all things. Lord, we pray right now that you come and touch each and every one of the child, Lord. Touch them with faith and the hope, Lord. Touch them, then, Lord Jesus, right now, that you may receive the glory. Dear Heavenly Father, we know that we are so grateful. These are the grateful that gave that testimony. Lord, we all have a testimony of your goodness and your grace and your mercy. For we are so pleased, Heavenly Father, that your mercy endures forever. Lord, if the situations call for them, now, Lord, that to strengthen their faith, we pray that, Lord, that you thank them. And that, Lord, we thank you that you never uh, leave them and you never forsake them, dear Heavenly Father. We ask that right now, Lord, that the anointing of the Holy Spirit move in a mighty way within yes, them, Lord. Lord. Yes. And, Lord, when they feel and touch your Holy Spirit, we pray that, Lord, they have the endurance and the power and the courage to stand up and testify, Thank showing you. your goodness and your greatness, Lord. Thank you. For, with Lord, we know that you are a good God. Yes. You are a merciful God. And, Lord, you are a God that endures forever, that you love your children, Lord. And we thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord. We pray for their families and their loved ones. Yes. We ask that, Lord, you touch right now. And we thank you, the Heavenly Father. And we know that you are still in the miracle working business. It is in Christ Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. 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 God bless you. Won't you stand?